Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. And welcome to the 50th edition of Canadians and Old Time Radio. I'm Devin Wilkins. I really didn't think that we would have quite enough material in our Made in Canada file to bring us this far, but here we are. And speaking of which, let's begin with a science program for kids from 1963 entitled The Rod and Charles Show. A double R radio presentation. our announcer, John O'Leary, to launch yet another edition of our show, The Rod and Charles Show. In his own special way. Remember that special way I announce your show. I may not be doing it long. Theme, please. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation presents The Rod and Charles Show, a quarter hour of fun and information for boys and girls everywhere, starring Charles Winter and Rod Conybear, who write the sketches and do all the voices themselves. Do you intend to imply that you're going to leave the announcing business, John? I intend to imply that I may soon leave the announcing business. You're retiring? An egotistical person like me becomes retiring No, uh, I meant retiring as And a... I do not intend to go into the tire business, either. I simply intend to write a bestseller, make a pot of money, and buy some such tropical place as the entire island of Trinidad, which I so richly deserve. The literary life for John. Do you suppose he could write a book? All you need are the 26 letters of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, say, what did we write for this program? A Spider Spectacular. It's a lovely summer afternoon. The trees overhang the stream. There's hardly a wind stirring. The sun is a warm blanket. There's a fallen log jutting out of the stream at one point, and close beside, a blackberry bush. Between these two is strung a spider web. Let's look closer. And closer, until the web is as big to our eyes as it is to the spider. Now it looks like a fantastic maze of ropes. Way up at the top, working on the ropes, a very large spider. Down in the corner, on the ground by the bush, is a much smaller spider. 
<laughs> well, there's the last of that fly. <laughs> that last fly had a much better taste, didn't it, honey? Honey? Honey, did you hear me? Shut up. I'm busy. I'm sick of you. Oh, she never talks to me. Always repairing the web. Talk about a one-track mind. <laughs> hey, I know. <laughs> I'll pull a telephone wire. That'll wake her up. I'll just reach over and... <laughs> oh, boy, did you jump. <laughs> You thought you'd caught another fly, didn't you, honey? <laughs> All right. Another one of your silly pranks, eh? I've had enough. Oh, oh, oh honey, I, I was just playing games. I should have eaten you long ago. Oh, oh you're... All females of my species eat their husbands as soon as the children are on the way. You're a lazy, good-for-nothing lump like all male spiders. Oh. You don't even spin webs. Not only that, you sit here eating the food I catch while I'm busy putting the stickum on the web to trap the flies. I've been soft letting you live. Oh, now, honey. I mean it. Oh, boy, she does mean it. And she's three times my size. I can't argue with her. Those great big fangs could paralyze me in a minute. I've got to think fast. I've got to... Watch out! Behind you! Why, what? Hmm. How silly of me to fall for that. There's nothing in this world I haven't been able to overpower. I suppose I should follow him and truss him up with my silk and keep him in case there's a food shortage. (laughs) Never mind. He's such a puny thing, I can't be bothered. Besides... If I ever get really hungry, I can always eat the children. I I guess I'd better climb up and continue putting the glue on the line. Almost got caught. A nice juicy fly, too. Just missed the web. Oh, well. There should be plenty of flies come by on a day like this. I've been eating so well that I'm full of all kinds of glue. I should have the web covered with nice, sticky glue very soon. There should be something nice and juicy along pretty soon. It's a pretty nice day. Hot, though. Oh, boy, I can't get up much speed. I weigh too much after all that delicious chocolate cake I ate last night, I guess. Hey, there's a, there's a nice stream down there. Maybe I'll fly down. We'll see if it's a bit cooler. I am a green bottle fly. There's no fly greener than I. I am a green bottle fly. Oh, ah, hey, hey, what's it? What's this? Where am I? Yeah, yeah. I can't get my wings going. I'm stuck in something. I can't flip away. Sticks like glue. I've got to get out. I've got to. Good afternoon. What is it? It's horrible. A horrible creature. You didn't watch where you were going, did you? 
What? What are you going to do? I'm going to wrap you up nice and warm, Mr. Greenbottle. a good meal. Nice and plump. I suppose I should have just left him wrapped in silk and just stung him with my fangs and put him aside for a rainy day. I really do have a tendency to overeat. My stomach is huge. I can hardly move. Well, I'll just sit here at the edge of the web by the telephone line. If anything else gets caught, the telephone line will jiggle and let me know because it's attached to the center of the web. <sighs> nice to be an Arania diadema spider. <laughs> I imagine I'm about the deadliest creature in the world. It doesn't seem to be anything. I can't just truss up paralyze and drain the blood from. Why, whatever, whatever that is, must be huge. It, it must be huge. I'll, I'll hurry up the web. <laughs> Maybe it's a nice juicy grasshopper. Now let me think, with grasshoppers, I usually first give them a bite in the leg. What is it? I've never seen anything like this before. Hello there, dearie. Hello. You've got a lovely web here. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like I'm caught, <laughs> doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, say la vie. What? Well, that means that's life, or words to that effect. <laughs> oh, what are you? Oh, just a poor insect that's about to meet its doom, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, we've all got to go sometime. You've got pretty strong wings. I think if you buzzed a bit more, you'd tear my web and escape. Oh, I don't think so. This is such a good web, and it's sticky. Oh? Uh, say, you must be an Arania diadema to have such glue inside you. Yes, I am. Well, don't prolong it, honey. Give me the old stinger and let me rest in peace. You're a female. Oh, sure. Females are usually the most clever insects. I'll go along with that. <laughs> what do you call yourself? Oh, nothing in particular. Say, you know, you're going to have to get closer if you want to paralyze me, aren't you? <laughs> mm -hmm. You, uh, you don't seem worried. Oh, maybe I'm tired of life. <laughs> well, well, if... If that's what you want. Oh, that's what I want, honey. Just give me the old fangs. I'm sick of this world. I don't care what happens to me. Say, 
tables are lovely fangs you have. That's right. Closer, closer, closer. <coughs> what are you? What are you? A mud dauber wasp, dearie. <laughs> And this time you're the one who gets paralyzed. <laughs> I'll just put you into one of the nice, cozy cells in my nest. And when the eggs in the cell hatch, they'll have a delicious spider to eat to keep them alive. <laughs> oh, boy, you are heavy, nice and fat. Well, let's go. <laughs> It's a typical summer day, drowsy, nothing much happening. A boy walks along, his hands in his pockets, not thinking about very much. He walks between the log and the bush and breaks the cobweb. Some of it clings to his trousers. He doesn't even notice. John O'Leary. Who says he's going to write a bestseller and give up announcing. This announcing racket would be all right if you didn't have to associate with such riffraff as the people on the Rod and Charles show. A quarter hour of fun and information produced by John Cantillon in the Toronto studios of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Sound effects by Ed Vincent. Technical operation, Brian Wood. This was program number two in a series of 13 and was made available to this station by the International Service of the CBC. John, what kind of bestseller are you going to write? Well, I thought of writing an autobiography, but I didn't get any further than the first sentence. Well, what was that? Uh, the first sentence of the autobiography was, I am an auto. I was born in a factory. And then I thought, who wants to read a whole book about a car? So I decided I'd write something that I knew would be popular. Well, John, how could you ever be certain your book was going to be popular? That's it. What? The title of my book. What's the title? A popular... Popular? And to make doubly sure, I changed my name so that my first book will be Popular by George Bernard Shaw O'Leary. My second book will be entitled Best Seller by Ernest Hemingway O'Leary. Hmm. Well, maybe he's got something. I just hope it isn't catching. See, See you, you next, next week, week, boys and girls. <laughs>
Still with our Made in Canada file, here's a show whose title would really be frowned on by today's standards. From 1941, it's Light Up and Listen. Light up and listen, there's music in the air, let your cares float away on a song. Light up and listen in your favorite easy chair, as the smoke rings go drifting along. It's the Light Up and Listen Club. Your club for the complete enjoyment of fine music enhanced by the smoking perfection of sweet caporal cigarettes. While our tenor, Jimmy Shields, with the help of the orchestra, does his musical part to make the evening a success, ensure that success with sweet caporal cigarettes. Light up and listen. his song, Jimmy Shields retires in favor of the orchestra, which makes it a romantic question. Why do I love you? Thank you. 
part of the meeting that's devoted to memory music is at hand. And Jimmy Shields has chosen one of the greatest songs of them all to take you back through the years. Believe me if all those endearing young charms. experience in motoring has accustomed us to the convention that a green light on a street corner means go ahead. We respond to that green light now purely automatically. 
and the sunburst on a package of sweet caporal cigarettes has much the same effect. Smokers who, for over 40 years, have experienced the smooth tobacco goodness of sweet caps know that trademark as a go-ahead to complete smoking satisfaction. The manufacturers of sweet caporal cigarettes have made it a fundamental policy of their business to always keep faith with smokers. That is why they use nothing but fine tobacco in sweet caps. Why it has become an accepted fact among tobacco growers that the manufacturers of sweet caps are always seeking the best of the crop. That is why only the most scientific methods of cigarette manufacture are used. Why such painstaking care is taken to bring the tobacco of sweet caps to you clean and fresh with all its goodness sealed in. Is it any wonder that the trademark of Sweet Caporal Cigarettes is the go-ahead sign to you for smoking pleasure? You can be sure of this one fact about Sweet Caporal Cigarettes. They're always good. Jimmy Shields, in a determined mood, makes a musical vow. I give you my word. I give you my word. I'll never laugh again. I give you my word. This my first and last romance I gave my lips, my heart and soul to you My heart will break if you don't take me too I give you my word You are the only one Heaven has heard what your love has done. Darling, what's the good of life without love or love without you? 
I'll never change I give you my another session of the Light Up and Listen Club becomes history. If you'd like to see history repeat itself, smoke sweet caporal cigarettes and notice how time after time they give you the same full measure of smooth smoking pleasure. Sweet caporal cigarette tobacco, if you roll your own cigarettes, will win you with its mild tobacco goodness. This is Milton Cross inviting you to be with us the next time we... Light up and listen, there's music in the air Let your cares float away on a song Light up and listen in your favorite easy chair As the smoke rings go drifting along And when things seem wrong, never sit around and fret Just relax and smoke a sweet cap of cigarette So light up and listen, there's music in the air let your cares float away on a song. And now from our Canadians Abroad file, an episode of the Jack Carson Show from New Year's Day 1947, entitled Prepares for a Film Roll. Jack Carson originally hailed from Carmen, Manitoba. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell's Soups are. Mm, good. From Hollywood, the Campbell Soup Show, starring Jack Carson. <laughs> yes, listen to Jack Carson, Betty Martin and his orchestra, Arthur Treacher, Jack's nephew Tugwell, played by Dave Willock, little nine-year-old Norma Jean Nilsson, Irene Ryan, and yours truly, Del Sharman. happens to be the birthday of little Norma Jean, who lives next door to Jack. And here, making arrangements for a small celebration, we find Jack Carson. Well, even if you did promise little Miss Norma Jean a birthday cake, why didn't you just go out and buy one, sir? Preacher, why should I buy a cake when I can bake one? There's one thing I do know, it's the art of cooking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean, yes, sir? There's nothing wrong with my baking. I promised Norma Jean a cake, and I'm going to bake one. How old is she, sir? Nine years. 
Why don't you wait till she's older and her teeth have a fighting chance? <laughs> Very funny. You know, I, I learned everything I know about baking from my Aunt Mabel. The secret of a good cake is to test it in the oven from time to time by sticking a broom straw in it. Yes, sir. But you're supposed to pull the broom straws out again. <laughs> well, that last time I just forgot. Yes, sir. Had so many straws in it, we didn't know whether to eat it or sweep the floor with it. <laughs> Never mind. But I remember it. The piece I got tasted like we had swept the floor with it. You don't have to worry about this one. It'll be my masterpiece, and I know that Norma Jean will love it. I'll make it big enough for nine candles, and I think I'll have Hi, to... Hi, Uncle Jack. Uh... Hey, what are you doing with that apron on? Hello, Tug. Well, I, I'm going to bake a cake for Norma Jean's birthday. You're baking a cake? Yeah. Uh, with nuts and fruits like the last time? Uh-huh. And that white frosting on the top? That's right. Well, if anybody wants me, I'll be down at Joe's hamburger stand. <laughs> I hear you fellas talk, you think I was the worst cook in Hollywood. <laughs> I said you'd think I was the worst cook in Hollywood. Why, oh, I think it's safe to include Burbank and Glendale, sir. Preacher, it may interest you to know that in Milwaukee I had a job at a bakery And they'll take me back any time I want to go Well, that wasn't a bakery, Uncle Jack It was a pretzel factory Tug, well, nobody asked you to put in your two cents worth My word, Master Tug, well, did he really work in a pretzel factory? Well, yes, yes, I did, but I, I had a very important position Yeah, Uncle Jack was vice president in charge of sprinkling Uh, <laughs> well, never mind In charge of sprinkling? Uh-huh you see, when the pretzels came by on the assembly line, Uncle Jack used to run up and down with the salt shaker. Well, I got $12 a week and all the crumbs that fell into my trouser cuffs. <laughs> Let's see now. I put in the baking powder and the egg white. I can't remember when I mixed that last batter if I used one yeast cake or four. It was four yeast cakes, sir. Don't you remember? When it started to rise, it took the canary's cage up with it. Well, that was an accident. You know, sir, I feel sorry for that canary. He's had so many misfortunes lately. If you remember last week, I smoked one of those Christmas cigars you gave me and all his feathers fell out. Yes, yes, they were pretty strong. But tell me, have the feathers started to grow back in yet? Oh, he won't be needing his feathers now, sir. I smoked another cigar, now he has hair on his chest. <laughs> Richard, don't exaggerate. The cigar smoke might have made his feathers fall out, but it certainly didn't grow hair on his chest. It did too, Uncle Jack. I was out there this morning, and he was singing baritone and chinning himself. That, uh, that will be enough about the canary, gentlemen. Oh, Uncle Jack, I almost forgot. A delivery boy just brought this envelope. Hmm? Let me see it. Oh, it's from Warner Brothers Studio. It's a script, and there's a note on it. It says, due to the fact that we're behind on our shooting schedule, you'll have to work tomorrow. Please memorize your part in this script and be at the studio in the morning. Oh, weren't you supposed to have the day after New Year's off, Uncle Jack? Yeah. Gee, this fixes everything. Now I'll have to spend most of today rehearsing. Well, what about Norma Jean and her birthday cakes? Oh, my gosh, that's right. Well, there's only one thing to do. I'll just call him and tell him I'm not coming in. Get the studio on the phone, Preacher. Yes. Why should I be the guy who always has to slave? I bet nobody else is working tomorrow. Well, don't weaken when you get him on the phone, Uncle Jack. You tell him off good. Don't worry, I will. I have the studio on the wire now, sir. Good, hand me the phone. Hello? Hello, Warner Brothers? Yes? What's all this nonsense about my having to work tomorrow? That's right. Any actor who has a call tomorrow and doesn't show up is automatically discharged. Who said so? Mr. Warner. Oh, yeah? Well, you can tell Mr. Warner for me that he can go jump in the lake. 
Boy, that's telling him. By the way, who am I talking to? Mr. Warner. <laughs> who is uh, this speaking? Oh, uh, don't pay any attention to me. I'm just having one of my tantrums. <laughs> but who is this? Uh, Betty Davis. <laughs> My goodness, Miss Davis, your voice sounds awfully low. Yes, yes, it's always a little hoarse uh, on Wednesdays. I see. Well, uh, Miss Davis, if you don't feel well enough to come in tomorrow, it'll be all right. After all, you are going to have a baby. I am. <laughs> I mean, I am, yes. <laughs> Look, Mr. Warner, I have a friend who doesn't want to come in tomorrow either. You know, Jack Carson. You can tell him if he doesn't come in tomorrow, he can take a salt shaker and go back to the pretzel factory. <laughs> Very well, Mr. Warner. I- I'll tell him. Goodbye, Mr. Warner. Goodbye, Jack. Claudia, <laughs> <laughs> like that, he knew who I was all the time. Now I'll have to study this script today. But Uncle Jack, how can you? You promised Norma Jean she could spend the whole afternoon over here. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to disappoint her. It is her birthday, but maybe you can amuse her until I finish looking over my part. Well, what about this cake, Batterson? Oh, yes. Well, you, you finish it up, creature. I've put everything in except the four yeast cakes. Are you going to use four again, sir? Yes. Very well, sir. Shall I warn the canary or let him take his chances? <laughs> Please do what I told you to and put the batter into the oven. Yes, sir. Tell all the children who want to be fed, Mammy's gonna make some shortening bread. What? Clean up the pots, clean up the pans. Mammy's just, gonna just, make just, some just, shortening just, bread. just, 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 just a minute, Mammy. You have to sing. Well, I thought it was quite good, sir. Do you, do you know who I was imitating? No. Now think a minute, sir. Who is it who always sings shortening bread? Uh, you mean? Of course, L. Jolson. <laughs> I should have known that. Oh, there's somebody at the door. You go ahead with the cake, creature. Come on, Togwell. We'll go see who it is. Hello, Mr. Carson. Well, it's Norma Jean now. Hiya, Norma Jean. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday, honey. So you're nine years old, huh? Uh-huh. Mr. Carson, is a girl nine years old considered grown up? Uh, grown up? Yes, yes, I think so. Well, then I feel better about what I did yesterday. <laughs> what was that? I got engaged Really? <laughs> who, uh, who did you get engaged to? Was it that Georgie who used, used to carry your books home from school? Oh, no He's much too young for me now that I'm nine Oh Well, uh, how old is he? Eight and a half <laughs> Yes, I see what you mean That is kind of a silly age Yes, Georgie isn't serious enough He still likes turtles better than girls <laughs> Well, that's because Georgie is so immature. Now, when he gets as old as I am, he'll certainly know the difference between a girl and a turtle. <laughs> Not if he gets him in Griffith Park, where Yeah, you... that'll do, Tom. <laughs> Mr. Carson, are you baking a cake for me like you said you would? Oh, of course, honey, but I have something to tell you. I won't be able to spend as much time with you today as I'd expected to. You see, the, the studio wants me to study a script. Does that mean I can't bring Jimmy over? Jimmy? Yes, my fiancé. You see, I want him to meet you for a special reason. Special reason? Uh Uh-huh. If Jimmy and I are going to be married someday, I want him to grow up to be exactly like you. Well, you want him to to grow up and be just like me? Yes. (laughs) Why? (laughs) (laughs) Togwell, this doesn't concern you. 
Uh, just, just what sort of boy is this Jimmy now? Well, he could stand some changes. For instance, whenever he takes a date to a soda fountain, he lets the girl pay for her own Coke. Well, gee, he's like Uncle Jack already. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, my boy. Well, I guess it would be all right to bring Jimmy over, Norma Jean. Of course, while I'm rehearsing, you'll have to be very quiet. Oh, we will be, Mr. Carson. I'll go over to his house now and get him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, well, I guess I ought to be getting at this script. I think I've got a big part here to learn. Hey, Uncle Jack, why don't you ever let me get a, uh, try to get me in one of those pictures out there? You know, I got a lot of talent I haven't used used yet. Used, used yet? <laughs> got a lot of words you haven't used yet either. <laughs> Well, the reason I don't is that one actor in the family is enough. Just forget your theatrical ambition. Oh, gee, with a little coaching, I bet I could be a skinny Charles Lawton. <laughs> Listen to this. I learned it the other day. Oh, winter. Oh, cold and cruel winter. <laughs> winter, you are a cold white giant with icy fingers. And I, I am just a brave little violet peeping through the snow. <laughs> How can I last until spring? I must survive. I must. I'll never give up. I'll never give up. Uh, take, take my advice, Tug. Well, give up. <laughs> okay, okay. Gee, a guy could be a genius, but no one would ever know it around here. Oh, let's see now. I think my part starts here, here on page 12. Oh, yes, it's all marked. Gee, if I have any more interruptions, I'll never get started. Come in. Hello, Jack. Can I come in? Well, Dell, as a matter of fact, I'm terribly busy. You see, I'm, I'm baking a cake for Norma Jean's birthday and trying to rehearse a script, too. Yeah, well, I just came from the Rose Bowl, Jack. Say, those games certainly bring back college memories, don't they? Well, yes, yes, but, Dell, I'm too busy to talk about that right now. Uh, Jack, you went to Carleton College, didn't you? Yes, yes, but, Dell, I'm, I'm too busy to talk well, about Well, I heard that. you were a big football star there, and I thought I'd like to hear about some of your gridiron experiences. Well, I'm too, uh... <laughs> <laughs> What, eh? Well, yes, but of course you're too busy now. No, so can... no, no, Dell. On, on second thought, I just have time to tell you about one thrilling game that I starred in. I don't like to brag, but I was the greatest open field runner they ever had. <laughs> Swivel hips jack, they called me. Um... <laughs> uh... Swivel hips? Yes, I, I was double-jointed, and there wasn't a tackler who could hang on to my hips. <laughs> Had to be careful, though. If I swiveled too much, my pants couldn't hang on either. Well, Jack, when you were in training, of course you remember to eat lots of Campbell's chicken soup. Huh? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, we always had Campbell's chicken soup. <laughs> well, sir, there we were. The score was tied, only two minutes to play. They snapped the ball to me. I took it. Uh, you were very wise to insist on Campbell's chicken soup, Jack, because they make their chicken soup the generous old-time way from plenty of chicken. Yes, yes. Well, I grabbed the ball and started running down the field. Five yards, six yards, ten yards. And remember, Campbell's use fine, plump chickens, too, simmered so slowly that every bit of deep-down chicken goodness gets into the broth. Five yards, <laughs> six yards, ten yards. I stiff-armed one tackler, and another one came at me. <laughs> yes, sir, for a cold winter day, there's nothing like a steaming bowl of Campbell's chicken soup. Five yards. Six yards. Ten yards. A tackler came at me, and I gave him one hip. And another one came at me, and I gave him the other hip. Dell. I... Dell, you're not even listening to me. Why, sure I am, Jack. You just gave your last hip away. <laughs> well, there I was. Five yards. Six yards. Ten yards, Zach! Zach, do you mean that in all this time you've only gone ten yards? Don't forget I'm carrying a big, heavy football. 
Now, now a loud cheer went up from the crowds. Why? I finally started toward the goal line. The crowd was getting excited. They rose up like one man and yelled. And you know what they were yelling? Yes. Mmm, good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no, no. There I was, heading for the goal line. Yes, sir, and all your friends will say, mmm, good, too, when they taste that first delicious spoonful of Campbell's chicken soup. Yeah. Well, I'm heading for the goal line. Be sure to stock up on Campbell's chicken soup tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'm heading for the goal line. Well, so long, Jack. If I could only get over that goal line, I'd be all right. See you later, Jack. Oh, dear. How do you like that? He left without hearing the end of the story. Well, I guess it's just as well, anyway. I found out later I was running the wrong way. <laughs> Freddie Martin's contribution to New Year's Day, featuring Glenn Hughes and the Martin Men in Good Day. Tonight you are truly a vision to behold Your eyes are like... Uncle Jack, who's going to play the part of Sheila in the movie? Doug, well, I'm trying to read the, over this script How do I know who's going to play the part of Sheila? Maybe it'll be, uh, who knows, Anne Sheridan Gee, will you get to kiss her? Well, yeah, I suppose so <laughs> you know, I'm kind of glad I'm in this business, though Just think, I kiss Anne Sheridan and I get paid for it <laughs> Yeah, but think what she gets for kissing you <laughs> Dogwell, why don't you go somewhere and read a book or something? <clears throat> ah, Sheila, tonight you are truly a vision to behold. 
Now what? Uh, come in. Hello, everybody. Well, it's Miss Ryan. Hello, Miss Ryan. Come on in. Miss Ryan, it, it was very good of you to stop by, but you, you do find me kind of busy. You see, I'm, I'm sort of in rehearsal. What do you mean? Well, that's a theatrical term. You see, I'm just starting a new picture. Yeah, and he's going to kiss Ann Sheridan. <laughs> that's right. And so you see, Miss Ryan, I'm sort of, as we say, in rehearsal. Where's Miss Sheridan? She's in hiding. <laughs> she is not. She's probably at home resting her lips. <laughs> tell me, tell me, Miss Ryan, how have you been feeling? Oh, I guess I'm about as well as could be expected. <laughs> down there in my knick-knack nook, so I thought I'd come over here for a few minutes. Well, Miss Ryan, did you ever think that maybe, well, that you wouldn't get so lonesome if you had, well, what I mean is, uh... I know what you mean. You're hinting that I should get married. Well, Tugwell only thought that... I almost did get married once. I even got the man as far as the altar. You did? Yes. But just before the ceremony, my fiancé went into the other room to talk to the minister. What happened? I don't know. He never did come out. <laughs> I found out later it was one of those churches with an escape hatch in the back. <laughs> well, those, those things happen. But now, if, if you'll excuse me, Miss Ryan, I've, I've got this script to study. Sheila, tonight you are truly... Of course, I haven't given up yet. Just last week, I tried to join a Lonely Hearts Club. Lonely Hearts Club, yes. <clears throat> Sheila... Tonight you are true. I sent them a picture of myself in a bathing suit. And I signed it anxious. They sent it back and said nobody could be that anxious. Well, that's, that's too bad, Miss Ryan, but I, I've got to get on with my reading. You go right ahead, Mr. Carson. I just came by to say Happy New Year and to tell you about my resolution. Oh, what's that? Well, I resolved that during 1947, I'm not going to complain about my aches and my pains. Well, that's certainly a good resolution. No, sir. Not even if I'm in torture will I mention my pains. Fine, fine. Like, for instance, right now. Right now, I have a pain in my shoulder, but wild horses couldn't get me to talk about it. <laughs> you're, uh, you're not going to mention it? No. It will always remain a secret between me and McClavicle. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming by, Miss Ryan, and I'm, I'm glad you're going to be so optimistic from now on. So am I. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I'm sure it will be one of the happiest New Years I ever had. <laughs> That, Miss Ryan, every time she goes by a drugstore, the vitamin pills stand at attention. <laughs> Well, now I can get started in earnest. <clears throat> Sheila, Sheila, tonight you are truly a vision to behold. As I see you standing there, I recall that night in Vienna when you and I were waltzing on the terrace in the moonlight. Do you remember the violins? That haunting melody they were playing has been singing in my heart ever since. That melody. How did it go again? Little baby, love. Preacher, preacher. <laughs> you please stay out there in the kitchen. Well, I only wanted to report on the progress of Norma Jean's birthday cakes that I had a bit of difficulty. Difficulty? Yes, sir. I lost count, and I think I put in five yeast cakes instead of four. 
Don't tell me that when it rose, it took the canary's cage with it again. Oh, no, sir, no. With quick presence of mind, I managed to save the cage before it got tangled up in the dough. Well, then what's the matter? Now I can't find the canary. <laughs> you mean... Yes, sir, I'm afraid he's somewhere between the third and fourth layers. Oh. Rachel, that's just ridiculous. That canary just can't be in the cake, though. He's probably flying around out there someplace. Oh, very good, sir. I'll go and look for him. Oh, where was I? Oh, yes, yes. Sheila... Tonight you are truly a vision. I don't see why you won't let me read Sheila's part, Uncle Jack. All right, all right, Thug. Well, here's a copy of the script. And when we get to the next page, you can read her part. Who knows, it, it might help me get into the mood better. Mr. Carson, I'm back again. Oh. Oh, oh, hello, Norma Jane. I brought Jimmy with me, too. Jimmy, this is Mr. Carson. Wow. Hello, Jimmy. Hello. Jimmy, is that all you can say? Well, he's probably a little shy, honey. You know, meeting a big movie star. <laughs> Are you a movie star? Uh... Of course he is. Don't you remember, Jimmy? He was in Two Guys from Milwaukee. Yeah. Mr. Carson was so good in it, I felt sorry for Dennis Morgan. Oh, thank you, honey. I, I guess I was pretty good in it. Did you really feel sorry for Dennis Morgan? Uh-huh. Uh, did, uh, did you see the picture, Jimmy? Yeah. I felt sorry for Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy has quite a sense of humor. <laughs> Look, honey, I'm, I'm still rehearsing, so why don't you and Jimmy sit down and pretty soon we'll serve some cake. All right. Come on, Jimmy. Sit over here and be very quiet. That's right. Now, <clears throat> where was I? Jimmy, I want you to watch Mr. Carson, because when you grow up, I want you to be like him. <laughs> uh, Sheila, come fly with me. Our love will give us wings, and we will flit through the garden of life, tasting the sweetness of the flowers. <laughs> you want me to be like that? <laughs> what do you want, a man or a butterfly? Uh, ch children, please, you'll have to be a little quieter. Yes, Sheila, we belong together. After all, what am I without you? Nothing. Just a little piece of nothing. Ain't it the truth? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, I'll appreciate it if you'll keep your remarks to yourself. <clears throat> Thank you. Sheila. Sheila, you've come into my life and have changed everything, and I hardly know you. Tell me, just who are you? I'm a brave little violet peeping through the storm. <laughs> well, Dugwell, that's not in there. Well, I lost my place, Uncle Jack, and I'm ad-libbing. Well, stop it. <laughs> household. One guy's a butterfly and the other one's a violet. Listen here, Mr. Jimmy Smarty Pants. If you don't like my friends, you can just leave any time. Okay, I will. Goodbye, and you can consider our engagement broken. Oh, but Jean, what did you do? You shouldn't have done that. Oh, let him go. After comparing him with you, I don't think I could like him anymore. Oh, that's awfully nice of you, honey. Do you really mean that? Oh, yes. Isn't life funny, Mr. Carson? I don't like Jimmy at all now. And last week I loved every brace on his teeth. <laughs> well, I, I hate to be the one to come between I the two. Uh, pardon, sir. The cake is served. Happy birthday, Miss Norma Jean. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Norma Jean. Gee, what a pretty cake. And it's got candles on it, too. Yes, I've already cut one side of it. Now, have a piece, everyone. Mm. Say, that's good cake. I'll say it is. It's the best cake I ever tasted. Preacher... Do you think it turned out so well because I put in all that baking powder? Or, uh, because I used so much yeast? Well, son, I think this cake turned out well because I...
just had it sent over from Ciro's. <laughs> what happened to the cake I was baking? Well, sir, when it was finished, it didn't look quite right, so I thought I'd try it out on the canary. He swallowed one mouthful and stopped. Yes? That hair on his chest all fell out. <laughs> Mr. Carson, you're not going to do any more rehearsing, are you? Well, I, I really ought to. Aren't you going to sing that New Year's song you promised me? Well, I... Oh, go ahead, Uncle Jack. An actor like you shouldn't rehearse anyway. Bugwell, it's constant rehearsal that has made me the actor I am today. It is? Yes. You used to blame it on the Democrats. <laughs> I could think up a funny answer for that, but I want to sing this song for Norma Jean. It's called Pretending, honey. It goes something like this. Hearts are gay when they play at pretending. If you're blue, why don't you try pretending? After all, aren't we all idle schemers? What is life but a world full of dreamers? You're not poor, not when you're make-believing. When you have blue moments to spend Close your eyes and you'll see How surprised you will be If you just pretend Carson, thank you for making 1946 a wonderful year for us and hoping 1947 will be a wonderful year for you. See you next Wednesday. Good night. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>